0: Hello, my name is Lee Milne, and you are listening to the We Magic Podcast. Well, hello again. Thanks for listening. This is the We Magic Podcast. My name is Lee, and today we're going to talk about something that might be a little bit controversial. I'm not sure. But snobbery and the elitist, clickiness, um arrogance of some performers and creators and magic. So, let's get stuck in. Now, before I start... In case this turns into a rant, or in case people listen to this and think, oh, how can you be so judgmental, how can you say this and assume that and all this, and be so negative and be so judgy. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it like I see it, okay? Also, before I start, I want to say that most people I have met in magic or through magic have been great. There have been so many people who are really nice, really helpful, really pleasant and friendly. And, believe it or not, even online, that's the case. I mean, I firmly believe that in the world, most people are good. You'll always get the bad element. You'll always get people doing things they know they shouldn't be doing. There are always good people doing things, you know, the wrong way, whether that's out of malice or not, there's always that element, that negative element, but I do believe most people in the world are good at heart. Sometimes people do the wrong thing to show off. Some people do the wrong thing because they think it's funny or they think if I put this person down, then it'll make me look better, it doesn't, it has the opposite effect, it makes you look worse, but, like I say, most of my outlook on life, and if you know me, you'll know this is true, my outlook on life is majorly positive, despite everything, I believe... There's more good in the world than bad. So one issue I find with the world of magic and people's judgments is that people forget we don't all come from the same place. We don't all have the same background, whether that's geographical, whether that's financial or economic, whether that's, you you know, anything, anything at all. We've all got different backgrounds. Even if you grew up in the same town as another magician, your life wasn't the same. It might have been similar in most aspects, but you don't know what their life was like behind closed doors. You don't know what was going through their head every day at school or at work or when performing we all come from different places we all have different experiences and that's the thing we all have different experiences and it's the experiences we have that make us who we are that shape us I don't think for a second that if I hadn't been told if I hadn't been bullied my whole life then I probably wouldn't be And entertainment. But as it is, I feel like, you know, especially when I'm performing for kids or for families, I feel like I want to give these kids a bit of sunshine in their lives. Especially when I'm in an underprivileged area, like a place I grew up in, or even more underprivileged than that. Or if I'm a place where, you know, it's a certain charity and all the kids have had a shared experience of something not very nice in their lives I feel so happy and so blessed that I'm given permission and I'm able to lift them up a little bit and make them laugh for a little while and I don't think I'd be doing that if I hadn't had the childhood I had Because I wouldn't think about it, I would think, you know, I'd still want to help people and still uplift people, but I think if I had been one of the popular kids at school and I'd stayed on that path and, you know, had everything go my way and eased my way into adolescence and then into adulthood, I'd probably work in, well, somewhere else. Maybe... I'd be working in construction. Maybe I'd have a I'd be working in a bank and a high paid office job. Maybe I would own my own I don't know, garage. But I probably wouldn't be standing in front of people. Trying my best to make them laugh or make them smile. And it's not because I've said before in this podcast I don't have the typical story of most magicians I don't I wasn't like well I was bullied at school so I better learn magic and that'll make people you know it'll make me more sociable it make people it'll give them something to like about me it's nothing like that I did try and well I did kind of make people laugh and that was kind of a defence Um, but it didn't set me out it didn't make me think right well um, I have to find this or do this to protect myself because it got to a point where I just thought this is the way life is I'll get beaten that's the way it is and then the next day those very people who were beating me up will be laughing and joking with me and that's the way it is, and then the day after that, they'll beat me up again, and that is just the way it is. So, what's the point I'm trying to make? I really don't know. (laughs) As once again, as often in this podcast, I've gone off on a tangent, but... With all the different backgrounds, you don't know what anyone's gone through. What you don't know what anyone's been through. What I find a major problem in magic to be is that people do assume, well, I'm headlining blah, blah, blah. Or, I've got a residency and blah, 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 and I have had for the last 30 years. Why haven't you? Why hasn't this person got that? You haven't been working hard enough. You haven't done what I've done. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We don't all get the same opportunities in life. Even if some of us worked as hard, I mean, even if we all worked as hard as each other, but some, you know, some people do work their asses off. Some people don't have to. And some people just don't because they don't want to. They're happy doing what they're doing. You know, whether that's part-time or whether that's... They'll do one gig a year, you know. Um, whatever it is, they're happy doing what they're doing. But... It doesn't matter if we all work as hard as each other. We're still not all going to get the same opportunities as each other. And that's a fact. That's the cold, hard truth. For example, someone living... I don't want to use myself as an example. um, Because... I um, I live in a tiny little village in the middle of Scotland. Tiny. Okay? And if I didn't drive, I'd be pretty much stuck living here. In fact, years ago, I lived here at a different address before I moved out and moved away and stuff. And... At that time, I didn't drive, and all I could do was work in the local shop because there was a bus service back then, but it was intermittent. Um, so I could get a bus to somewhere, you know, and work somewhere, but I would be out all day until I could get a bus back. So if I got a job, work in the shop or something in one of the bigger towns I could get there say it started at 9am I'd get there from 9 and I'll work until maybe it's part time i work till 1 o'clock or it's full time hours and i work till 5 o'clock I can still be hanging around waiting until 8 o'clock at night for the next bus back to this village it's a bit better now not much, but a bit better now um with public transport. But back then, that's the way it was. And yeah, if I didn't drive now, and I lived here, I couldn't be a full time magician. There'd just be, it'd be too difficult. Anyway, but let's make someone up, Frank. So, there's Frank, he lives in a tiny little village, even smaller than this village I live in, okay? He lives in a tiny little village, and he's lived there his whole life. He's 26, okay? um, He started doing magic as a kid. Really loved it, really got into it. Showed his friends at school, showed his teachers... Everyone said, oh, this is, you're very good at magic, you're great, blah, blah, blah. Time goes on, he's 16, leaves, well, he stays on to school, leaves at 18, um, and he gets a job, whether in this tiny little village or, you know, a few miles out, gets a little job and then decides, I'd love to be a full-time magician. So he saves up and he gets a car and he can travel. He can go all around the place doing magic. So he does. He travels to the nearest town, six miles away, and does magic every now and again because they have a hotel in this town and the hotel, especially during summer, has weddings so he does wedding. He performs wedding magic at those weddings. Every now and again, um, a pub, and another small town will say, "We're having a family fun day, or a f- you know a night for the kids. Can you come and do some magic?" So he goes and does that. Um, and he goes to another town. I uh, oh, you know. So imagine someone living in a tiny little village. Not, I'm not going to use me as an example, but imagine someone living in a tiny little village, in the 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 arse end of South Wales, okay. And they work hard, at magic. They get good, and then they decide they want to be a gigging magician. I want to do this full time. And they find they can, but it's hard. It's really hard. They have to travel a lot. They have to drive a lot um, to different venues for weddings. They have to travel a lot. And they have to take kids parties as well as weddings. They have to take um, corporate functions. They have to take... They don't really get the option to turn down gigs because it's their only source of income but they live in the arse end of nowhere and that's their only choice but they're doing their best to make it work and it's kind of working it's not going to make them so much money they can retire early it's not going to make them a well known performer but that's going to make them a better performer every single gig, because that's what happens let's fly across the map to London okay? South London someone there decides I want to be a full time magician okay? walk walk half a mile, you'll find somewhere to perform walk half a mile the other way you'll find somewhere to perform. Sneeze, someone will ask you to perform. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, I'm being a bit facetious, but the point is, if you're living in London, of course you get so many more opportunities than someone living in a tiny little dot on the map. Of course you have. And it's absolute arrogance that says, that makes you say, well, you should be doing as many gigs as me, you should be performing the same types of shows and events I'm performing at, it's not that easy. It's absolutely not that easy. In fact, I think I remember... Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think on the Magicians podcast, during one of the episodes, Alan Hudson was speaking. Towards the end of that podcast, um, Alan Hudson would speak to the host, Richard Jung, um, for a little five, ten minutes before the actual episode kicked off. And it was, to be honest, for me, it was my favourite part of the podcast, um, but I remember Alan Hudson saying that someone came and lectured at one of his local magic clubs in Hull and said the best advice they could give any magician in Hull is move and everyone laughed <laughs> but then Hudson and uh, Richard Young said yeah he was absolutely right that magician is absolutely right if you're in somewhere like Hull Which, to be fair, is a decent-sized town. Not even a little dot on the map. It's a decent-sized town. But if you're in somewhere, if you live somewhere like that and you want to be serious about magic, you have to move. You have to go to the Big Smoke. You have to go to, you know, London or Edinburgh or one of the big cities, you know. That's all well and good. But not everyone has that opportunity. Now, when I was 16, I walked out of school, and within the next, well, 18 months later, I was gone. I had left my little hometown, and I had joined the Royal Navy, and I was only there for a couple of years. Then I came back for a year, and then left my hometown again, and went to the South England for a couple of years. And then I came back for a couple of years, and then again, I left, and I went to the Channel Islands, And I lived there for four years. Then I came back and I moved to Edinburgh and I left and I came back and I moved and I came back and I left. And always ended up coming back. But I was lucky. A lot of these times I moved were for either a career or for the career of the person I was in a relationship with at that time. There was no way, no point in my life up until, you know, the last five years, eight years, maybe, that I could have said, okay, I'm going moving to move into London. I'm going to do it. Because it's not I'm not Dick Whittington. People don't just move to London willy-nilly. You need money, or you need a job, or you need someone who'll put you up for a while. But, unless you get, let's face it, financial backing, you're not just moving to London. And I know plenty of people who have moved to the big city, who have moved to London, and, you know, there's no way they just decided on a whim. I'm just going to do it. I've got £50 to my name. No, 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 no. You've got someone... Helping you, or you've you know you've got savings. Either way, good for you. Do it. Enjoy it. Excellent. But just don't expect that everyone and anyone can do that. Do you think when I left school, if I said to my mum, "I'm going to move to London," she would have said, "Good luck. I'll see you soon," because. She was working a minimum wage job, raising two kids on her own. She couldn't help me out. I worked from the left school every day until, well, a couple of, you know, months here and there throughout the last, the following 20 years where I was unemployed, but I worked pretty much full time from the day left school until I became a magician (laughs) and that's the truth and now I still work every day but in a different way but even then at any time during those 20 years I don't believe for a second I could have just said I'm going to the city I'll be back when I'm rich. It doesn't work like that. The other thing people tend to forget is that some of us did have jobs before we became magicians. I know, especially this generation, I don't want to sound like an old man, but I'm getting there. But, um a lot of people step out of school and they're like, well, that's me. I'm a full-time performer now. Whether it's magic or singing or stand-up comedy or acting or whatever it is. Um, (laughs) It's changed days. I mean, the reason I waited so long, well, one of the reasons I waited so long to become a performer, to become an entertainer, is that if I had said back when I left school, in the mid-1990s, I'm going to be a magician. I'm going to be an entertainer. Everyone would have looked at me with their brows furrowed and said, get a grip. Be real. People like us don't do that. There's an old Billy Conley bit he used to do And he would talk about the difference between posh people and common people. And what it boiled down to was that posh people could leave school and become, uh, I think it was, snowboarders or, you know, bobsleigh racers or something. Whereas common people, that's... you can achieve what you want in life, but... You don't leave school thinking, that's what I'm going to do. You leave school thinking, is the factory taking on? Is, are are looking for staff in that kitchen? Is that shop looking for staff? But now people are just out the door. In some cases, and I know how this sounds, but in some cases, mummy and daddy are like, don't worry, do what you want. We'll back you up, here's 10 grand to get you started. Or, we'll buy whatever you need to keep you happy. Or, you know, just go for it. If it doesn't work out, don't worry. We'll pay you, you know, we'll pay your way um, and make sure you're okay until until it does work out. Or until you decide you want to do something else. You want the best microphone for singing, here it is. You want the best I don't know. Equipment for magic, here it is. Well a lot of us never had that. A lot of us had to have jobs when I left school. Like I say, in a shop or a factory or a, a a kitchen or whatever. And again, it's something that a lot of people forget or overlook, or ignore. And it's... I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. The jobs I've had have made me a better performer than I would have been if I had just stepped straight onto a stage or straight into a restaurant with a pack of cards. Working in pubs. Working working pubs especially. But also working security. Working retail. Working in factories were like the most sarcastic people you'll ever meet these all make me they've all shaped me it made me confident and made me able to talk to anyone from any background at any occasion except to Blackpool of course this year was better but yeah (laughs) I've spoken about that before but yeah Don't forget, people have had a history before magic. I remember I was at Paul Daniel's house um, a few years ago, and it was when he was doing this, you could pay, I can't remember if it was £250 or something like that. You could pay him... um, and spend the day at his house with some other magicians. And spend the day discussing magic, learning magic, talking about all sorts of stuff. And it was good. And the reason I could go at that time was because I worked for a bus company. This is when I was just getting serious about magic. I worked for a bus company. And I got free travel. So uh sat on a bus all night from Glasgow to London. And then I got out. And I went and found Paul Daniel's house, and I chapped his door, and he answered, and he went, not today, thanks, and closed the door, (laughs) and I was like, you know, a nervous laugh, but thinking, hope he's not serious, (laughs) but he opened the gate, and said, come in, come in, Um, very friendly, great day, but during that day, um, there was one guy, There were maybe six or seven of us, all guys in this group. Um, Debbie McGee was there, she came in and said, good morning, and then she left for the day. Um, The rabbits were there, and (laughs) Paul Daniels' nephew came in, said hello, took a rabbit and left. like, okay. Um be a good day, but there was about six or seven of us anyway, and all sat and sat in his house talking to Paul Daniels, listening to his stories, talking magic, talking job. and there was one guy, and he was just like, just arrogant, it's the only way I can describe him, he was a prick, Is <laughs> another way I can describe him, but I'll use the word arrogant, okay, um, and he was like, oh yeah, I just... I just live a couple of miles up the road, um, you know, decent a nice part of of town. Um and in the morning everyone seemed fine, everyone seemed happy enough, friendly enough. But as the day went on he got more and more arrogant. And I said something to Paul Daniels, something about um a show I had coming up and I was gonna do paper balls over the head. For the first time and this guy was like <laughs> gave this pretentious, arrogant laugh. Um and he said I can't even remember the words, but it was something derogatory, as if I would never be able to pull off such a such, you know, an intricate trick. I was like, right, it's paper balls over the head, I'm done. But um but yeah. And I looked at him and I thought, I'm gonna knock you out, yeah, Anyway. And what I thought, and it's the same thing when I met a certain someone as I was going into the Magic Circle one night. Well, me one night I've been to the Magic Circle again. I went there because I got free journey, eh, free travel from Glasgow with the company I worked for, and travelled all night. Spent a day walking around London on my own, just walking around looking for, you know, stop for breakfast, stop for lunch. But walking around, a tropical storm started, just torrential rain. So I went into a cinema, watched one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, some sort of exorcist film, fell asleep. Um, And then it was time to go to the Magic Circle. And it was a night for, the night for Poppy it was called, I think. Um, And it was this young girl who they were raising money for. And um, Dynamo is there, which is why I wanted to go. I saw it advertised on Twitter and I thought, that sounds amazing. Dynamo will be there. James Friedman was there, Man of Steel. Laura London was there performing. Uh, Great. Great stuff. And one certain performer who has been... Well, who I've said in the past, who I've blocked on Facebook because they just... So negative and arrogant all the time towards me. Um this person walked into the magic circle as I was standing on the steps waiting to get or standing by the door waiting to get in. I was first in the queue. <clears throat> and I said to this person, Oh, hello their name, and they said, Oh, um, do you have the premier tickets or the standard tickets? And I said, oh, just get a standard ticket. And this person went, oh well, you won't be seeing me tonight, Uh, and walked off. And I thought, well, that's a shame that you're like this in real life. Anyway, that person, I don't see anything from them anymore, which is is pretty great. Um, But it was the same thought I had with this guy in Paul Daniel's house I was thinking who do you think you are? I mean seriously who do you think you are? and I still I think that about a lot of performers and I've always thought about like actors and um, singers when you see them in interviews big famous names most of them they come across well you know they're especially in more recent years a lot of them are like friendly and you know, doing their best to be nice, doing their best to be likable and liked by their fans, by the public, by the interviewer. Um but it's like you know, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dog, to give him his full name. I remember seeing him interviewed on a TV show and something had happened. I think the show, whatever show he was on was running late, running behind schedule so when they cut to him it was like three minutes later than it was supposed to be and he was going on and on about how what are you doing, keeping me waiting, why are you keeping me waiting, do you know who I am, do you know how important I am Um, this is this isn't the way you treat someone like me and I thought what an arse what an absolute arse And always, you know, you get the occasional personality like that. But magic is too small a community. It really is. And there's, there are very few names big enough to act like that in magic. Not that anyone should act like that, regardless how big they are or how important they deem themselves to be. But it's in the world of magic, maybe David Copperfield, David Blaine... Um, maybe Darren Brown. Who else? I mean, Lance Burton, Chris Angel. Outside of them and maybe one or two others, you're not that big, you know. You're really, even if you're earning millions of pounds a year. Even if you're a name, everyone in the world of magic recognises. You're not that big. I don't know, like I said, this is all coming across as very negative. I do happen to think most people are nice. And most people I've met in magic or through magic, like I said are great from the hobbyists I've met at Blackpool or at events or even like when I'm working a restaurant and someone will say oh I do magic Um, just as a hobby you know brilliant right up to big 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 names Um, when I met Jay Sankey and I met Matt King and Michael Amar and they're so pleasant and friendly, and you only meet them. Well, I only meet them for a couple of minutes at a time, but really friendly, really pleasant. Um, you get somebody like Michael Murray, who's like not, a, you know, a household name or anything. Um, but I think most people who are who have been in Magic for a certain amount of time know who he is know what he offers, and know the genius behind his line of products and the products he releases. Um, And he's brand new. Such a nice guy. The same with... Well, I I could name loads. I mean... um, I could name loads, but I'm not going to. But you know, most people are great, Um, but yeah, one or two, the point is, basically, the point I'm trying to make is, first of all, we're all the same, we're not from the same background, we're not from the same place, we don't have the same experiences, we aren't the same people, we're all unique, but we're all the same really, we're all the same, Um, but we're all people, And we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to have fun with 52 bits of cardboard or a handful of metal coins or, you know, some mind-reading effects or some puppets or some whatever we're doing. We're all just trying to have fun, entertain ourselves and sometimes entertain others. And that's it. But the main point is it's only magic. If we don't like what someone else is doing, or if we don't like someone else, regardless of what they're doing, it's not going to lead to a world war. It's not going to lead to, I mean, hopefully it's not even going to lead to a fight outside a pub. What it's going to lead to is one, people, one person thinking that other person is an asshole, and that other thinking exactly the same about the first person. But it's only magic. Surely it should be a nice thing, a good thing, a happy thing, a shared thing, a joyful thing. Not full of bitterness, not full of snobbery, not full of cliques. And I won't speak too much about cliques because I have before saying that when you go to a convention and you've heard these people you've heard these people online or um videos and stuff saying come and say hi, come and meet me, we'll always have time to say hello. We'll always always have time to greet you. We'll always have time. You can come and sit with us even, you can come and be our friend for the weekend. And then you get there and you find out well, that's not really practical. You don't really want to interrupt a group of people when they're deep in conversation. Uh, but also, sometimes when you do, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I just have to go. I just have to. I'm just heading out. Sorry, uh, but I'll see you around." Or, oh, sorry, I'm saving that seat for someone. But I'll see you around. Or, you know, just. No. No. I don't want you to sit with us. You can't sit with us. We're the mean girls of magic. job I'll sit where I want. And magic clubs as well. I mean I'm not a member of any magic club, but that's mainly due to geography. If I was closer to one of the Glasgow and Edinburgh clubs, I probably would have joined. Because I know um I follow them on Facebook, and they put on some great stuff, some great events, and they have club nights and they have like social nights, and from what I can tell, most people there are brand new. So I probably would, you know. Um, As for the big one, I'm not really that keen on joining the big one. I did have and it's nothing against anyone who is, it's nothing against the organisation itself. I did have an audition which went fine a few years ago during lockdown. Um I was yeah I saw something I shouldn't have because two people were sitting speaking to each other and to me, so on my video screen I could see two people and they could both see me, and I'm guessing they could see each other, I don't know. Um And there was a text bar at the bottom, which I don't think I was supposed to see, because one person said, hi Lee, blah 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 blah, and then I saw text across the bottom of the screen saying, I'm supposed to speak first, exclamation mark, about 50 exclamation marks. I was like, oh, okay, seems a bit petty, but okay, I mean that's... um fine, and then uh, the interview went on, the audition went on, and it was okay, and I was told, right, well, you could work on this, but um, you'll find out your results in a few days, found out my results, yeah, all good, you're invited to, uh, you know, officially, apply or official audition or whatever it is, I can't remember. But I was invited into an Apprentice Facebook group, which was great. But in that group, I saw so much bitching and backstabbing and politics. And I thought, you know, for the amount of money I'd be paying every year, this isn't for me. This, I mean, A... I would never go to the big one. Well, very rarely. And two, it's... This is like the House of Commons, man. This is childish stuff. And that this, this is just my experience. I know there's a lot to be said for that particular organisation. But there's also a lot that didn't appeal to me, like I said. And also, if you won't let in Two of the biggest names in magic. Then, (laughs) I think, that's, that's a big strike against it. They revealed magic? No, they didn't. But they did, they revealed it. No, no, no. They showed how they did a certain piece of magic. And then, they showed that they weren't revealing anything because it did not matter if you knew how they done this because the way they did it was So incredible and so good and so entertaining that no one's going to be able to stop it and watch it again and think, okay, well I'll do that. No one's going to be able to think oh yeah, yeah, I know how you do that. Certain piece of magic. It's it's not magical. It's because they've done this and this and this. No one can retrace the steps. But hey, someone said No. And the organisation all these years later, with new leadership and new um rules and new progressive thinking and you know all this stuff they're like, Oh well we we can't change the old ways. Right, it's you're not in ancient Rome, you can do what you want. But you won't, because it'll upset the older Mm, the, I don't want to say members because that sounds like it's an age thing but I mean it will upset old school magicians I mean again also listen to the magicians podcast when Richard Young interviewed uh, Dom what's his name Dominic hmm, I don't say Dominic Wood I don't know if that's right the man from Dick and Dom who was a magician and when he speaks about why he left the big organisation I was like yep sounds about right anyway I better get going um, normally when I make these podcasts it's all off the cuff off the top of my head but I do have notes usually and, I don't have notes today. I just, um, I have a heading, snobbery, and I knew kind of where I was going with it, but as you can tell, <laughs> not completely, because there have been about 500 tangents in this episode that the uh, you could say they were unnecessary, because they were, but I'm going to go but thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you listen to one episode and never listen to any other episode, well, first of all, don't make it this one. But, <laughs> but it means the world to me that you give up your time to listen. So I hope you will listen to more and I hope you'll drop me a little message on Facebook or on Twitter or on whatever you want, I don't know, I'll be here, but I'm going to go, and just remember, there is more positive than negative in the world, so you look after yourself, look after each other, keep practising, and I'll speak to you soon, goodbye. Thanks once again for listening. My name is Lee Milne. You've been listening to the We Magic Podcast. Keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.